Hallelujah. Shall we bow our heads as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. We give you all the glory and all the honor as we have gathered in your presence. We know your spirit is here. Lord, we ask that your grace be multiplied again unto us, so that your word may come unto us in newness and in strength, and that you grant unto us that our heart may be humble enough to receive your engrafted words, which is able to save us and deliver us from our destructions. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you have paid on our behalf to be called sons and daughters of the living God. And thy spirit bear witness within us that we are sons of God, that we are daughters of God. And so we thank you because we are the children of the most high God. We glorify your name today. Unto you be glory and praise. Unto you be honor. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now I have a word from the Lord for you if you are listening. You've been praying to God and you've been asking God for things. But the Lord asked me to tell you that the moment you ask, it has been sent. But hitherto, your attitudes has caused you not to receive. Because the Lord has sent his angel to minister that which you have requested. But because you are not hospitable enough, you've chased them away every time they've been sent to you. The Lord asked me to pray for you that the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ will come unto you but you must repent. You must take back your love, your first love. You must reach out to men, to women in love. You must be sweet again. And then your rejoicing will know no bound. Lord, I pray for your Children today, whoever this is for, I ask in the name of Jesus that the joy of salvation may fill their heart and the Lord, you, almighty God, will cause the sweet aroma of Jesus to begin to ooze out of these individuals that their lives again will be sweet and not bitter. And their lives again, O Lord, will welcome people. We accommodate and entertain angels to the glory of your holy name. And that we ask that everything that the locust invasion has eaten, the canker worm that the enemy has stolen or true to ignorance, that have been thrown away, we ask, O oh Lord, in your mercy, that you restore. Amen. That your name be glorified and the church will say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Give a clap offering unto the Lord if you hear. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> this morning we're going to try and see if we can bring a conclude to the message we started last week. We're talking about living up to your true potentials. 
in the Lord. And so we want to try and continue in that message, and I believe we should be able to round it up. Um, but last week, I think we, there are some things that are worthy of note. And one of those is the fact that when we talk about the identity, we know our identity. Is anyone who is having an identity crisis? You don't know who you are, so we can ask whoever is beside you to remind you who you are. You are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter of the living God. That is your true identity. Don't listen to whatsoever anyone tells you. You are the beloved of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we need to move that from our mental ascent to our heart. We need to believe in it. We need to know that we know that we know we are sons and daughters of the living God. Because without that, there is no way we'll be able to live up to that identity. So we need to understand who we are. Amen? Hallelujah. And so before I continue this morning, I I want to quickly um, bring our attention to some things, maybe one or two, that will be very, very critical um, for you to understand before we have um, a brief conversation um, this morning, and we're going to be zeroing into our responsibilities as sons and daughters of the living God. We know that our rights, they are already guaranteed. It's a done deal. We don't have to talk about that. You don't have to talk about whether God is going to give you what he says he will give you or not. No. It's a done deal. I mean, his package is finished. So what we should be concerned about is our responsibility. There was a popular saying that says, um, it said, when you teach a child it's right, you will have rebellion. But when you teach a child his responsibilities, then you will have revival. When you teach a nation his rights, you have rebellion. But when you teach a nation its responsibilities, you have revival. When you teach a church its rights, you may have rebellion. But when you teach a church its responsibilities, then you have revival. Because in our responsibility, our rights are encapsulated in our responsibilities. Our rights are encapsulated in our responsibilities. So in times of talking to the children of God, sons and daughters of the, God, of the living God, your right is, is not negotiable. It's a done deal. But your responsibility is not a done deal. Your responsibility depends on you. Whether you're going to do it or not. Whether you're going to be responsible. Whether you're going to live up to your true identity. For example, when a child is born, that child cannot be unborn. Okay? He's born, he's born. There is nothing you can do about the father. That child is born. And that child has some rights. But in our natural being, we all know that when a child is not living up to his or her responsibilities, sometimes there is something called the will. The father can disown that child or deny that child his or her rights. Based on the father, he or she is not fulfilling his 
responsibilities. That's in the natural. So in the spiritual, we tend to lose a lot when we don't live up to our responsibility, to our true identity. We lose a lot of things. And my prayer today is that in the name of Jesus, that which has been given unto us, we will not be obstruction or obstacles to receiving them. Because no one can take them away from you. No one. No one can take away your blessing. No one. There is no one because it is packaged in Jesus. It cannot be taken away. No one can take it away. You will be the only one who determine whether you get what God has given unto you or not. Hallelujah. So, but I want to stress a point this morning. Go with me to the book of John. John chapter, the book of 1 John, rather. 1 John chapter 4. Please pay attention to this. I'm just going to read two scriptures, and I want to make this point very crystal clear so that... We will not be in denial. First John chapter 4. And I'm going to read from, I'm going to shut in it because of time. Verse 18. Let's start from verse 18. First John chapter 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear had torment. He that feareth is not made perfect. In love. We love him. Who is him? Who is him? We love him, Jesus, because he first loved us. Is that a true statement? Now verse 20 is is what I want to pay attention to. If a man say, I love God, and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he had loved, he that loved not his brother, whom he had seen, how can he love God, whom he had not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loved God, love his brother also. Pay attention to that. Okay? It is non-negotiable. Now, you don't have to debate it. You don't have to agree with it. It is the standard of heaven. You cannot love God if you cannot love the person you see. It is impossible. Say impossible. It doesn't matter how many tongues you speak. It does not matter if you sleep in the church. It does not matter if you claim you are born again or not. It does not matter. God has set the standard. It is impossible for a man to hate the person he can see and yet claim uh, he loves God. God said it cannot be done. It is impossicant. I don't know what adjective to use. It cannot happen. Do we get that? Let's move to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. I just want us to set that um, standard and agree together. And if you have any contention, you cannot take me to court. 
All you can do is, I disagree. That's all you can say. Okay? And you are not disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with the word of God. Amen. But I pray no one will disagree with God here in the name of Jesus. So you have the choice, you can do whatever you want. This is America. Okay? And it is the same in the kingdom of God. You can do whatever you want, but God will make it crystal clear to you what he wants you to do. The choice will be yours. Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to try and see if we can read some few scriptures there. Matthew 25. That's a long one. Um, Can someone pray in the Holy Ghost so that that phone can shut down? We can remove some things in the spirit. I don't think this guy just listening to the spirit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Let's, let's go to Matthew 25 and let's quickly look at the second thing I want us to see. is just to stretch um, that point. It's still the same thing. I believe I should just jump to, well, let's start from verse number 40. Matthew 25, verse number 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto, unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye caused into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they say that she, then shall they also say, <clears throat> also answer him, beg your pardon, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered? or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And this shall go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous into life eternal. Amen? Now, what is this point I'm trying to stress here? Living up to our identity. Like I mentioned last Sunday, that the true quality of my service, my love for God, or my honor, may not necessarily be measured because I'm a preacher. Because I can hide under the, under the pupit. Okay, that's, that's, uh, I was going to use that, and for some reason, it's not going to allow me, okay? Thank God for these strong men that are here, okay? That is water. It's so good. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was trying to do something, but let me try. It's not tasteful, but it does feel good. 
Uh, how many answers are here? 16. Uh, how many answers do I need a day? Uh, no doctor in the house? 64? So when I, I just need one more, or how many? Four more. I was trying to reduce how many. Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was trying to make a point. I finished the water. And I squeeze this container. But the water would not have been here for me to drink and quench my task except for the container. The blessings of God for this generation, for the earth, we are lewd men except there are containers, except there are vessels. We are the vessels. And if I am not where I ought to be, guess what? The blessing of God might elude some people. Some folks might miss out just because I am not where I'm supposed to be, because I'm supposed to be a container carrying that blessing. In other words, if I don't live up to my true identity, it's going to cost the kingdom of God something. Because the kingdom of God and the plan of God has packaged the blessings for this generation, for this world, into us. That's why I said we are the vessels. We are living epistles read by all men. We are the vessels of God, carrying the blessings of God. We are supposed to be the containers. We are supposed to be the vessels that we carry the blessings of God. If I am crushed, or if I am malformated, or if I am not living up to my true identity, then there is no way that blessing can reach the ends of the earth. Amen? I'm saying to us, church, people are important. People are the most important thing in the plans of God. Human being, your brothers, your sisters, your co-workers, whosoever is around you, they are the most important thing to God. They are the most critical things to God in his plans. And it is high time the church of God began to see that. The first scripture we read says, if I am saying that I love God, I have to prove it and demonstrate to heaven by loving the person next to me. There is no other standard for which God will use to measure the quality of my love for him. He is going to use the person beside me as the barometer or the parameter or whatever meter you want to call it, the heaven meter 
is the person next to you. Maybe the person next to you in your family. It may be the person next to you in your workplace. Maybe the person next to you in this church. It may be the person. It is the person that is next to you. You cannot do church and do all kind of pastoral dexterity or some kind of gymnastics and say, I love God. I love God. I love God. And you hate the person working with you in your office. You hate the brother or the sister working with you in the church. You hate your mom or you hate your dad because of whatsoever he or she has done. God is saying it is impossible for you to love me if you live that way. By saying you love me, you are wasting your time. It doesn't register in heaven. And that's why we need to be very, very careful to pay attention to what God is saying. Because church has been existing for a very long time. And this has been the way it has always been. You see, church folks, they quarrel more than those in Hollywood. I'm not bashing the church. It is the truth. Go back to the beginning. Even in Corinth, the church at Corinth, it has always been like that. But God is saying to our generation, it is not supposed to be so. Demons don't fight each other. Do you know that? Satan don't fight Satan. Jesus said, Satan don't quarrel with Satan. Satan don't cast out Satan. Demons don't fight each other. The children of God, they fight each other. They strive all the time. And James says, if you continue like this, you may end up annihilating each other. You may end up destroying one another. Hallelujah. So as we're going to look into our responsibility to God, I want you to know the standard of measurement. In Matthew that we just read, Jesus said, I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was in prison, you did not visit me. Answer, when did we say you hungry? That we did not give you food? When did we say you in prison that we did not visit you? He said, as long as you did not do it to these ones. He's talking about those that we see every day. He said, then we have not done it to him. So the standard measurement in the kingdom of God is people. Say with me, the standard measurement in the kingdom of God is people. So if God is going to judge me or measure my love, he is going to start from my house. How much do I love those in my house? Those he has surrendered me with. He's going to come into my church. How much do I love the brother and the sister at my church? Okay? How much do I love them? I need to understand that. Otherwise, I will be playing church, and I will come to church day in, day out, and I will claim I'm born again, and yet my name is not written in the book of life. Amen? In Matthew, we saw it clearly. Those that thought they were born again, they were in the kingdom of God, they were actually candidate of hell. It cast them into hell. 
the judgment. So the day of judgment shall come. And when judgment shall come, guess what? You are going to be measured based on what you're doing with those around you. So in a nutshell, you have to be careful how you handle those that are around you. You have to be careful how you handle those that are around you. You know why? Because they are precious sons and daughters of the living God. Whether you like it or not, they are children of God. They might not know it now, but they are children of God. That's what God says. Hallelujah. Because there are some sheep that are not yet in the fold. So those at your jobs, those at your, the hospital you visit, those at your grocery store, you know, that you are so nasty to, guess what? You are nasty to Jesus. Because Jesus lives in them. Amen? And the reason why I'm saying this is because everything else is contingent upon that. Until we, church, come to the recognition of this basic fact, that the measure with which God is going to measure our righteousness, measure our love, measure anything, is right here. Because everything that we need to know about God, the Bible says, they were made known to us to things that he has created. Amen? So we want to take very, very good note of that. So when next you, something in you is trying to make you nasty to a brother or a sister, remember that. Remember that. Because Jesus paid a price for that. So, hallelujah. And one last thing that I'm going to mention to you is the fact that as we're going to go into, uh, into this uh, last part of this uh, sermon is the fact that you need to be accustomed to Psalm, Psalm number 119, verse 165. We're going to get there shortly. The book of Psalms, 119, verse 165. It says, great peace have they that love thy Lord, for nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy Lord, for nothing shall offend them. Pay attention to that. Why? Because we're going to look into our responsibilities now to God, towards God. And like we said last week, your responsibilities, we try to divide into, I think, three or four, is that you have to love God, you have to honor him, your father, and you have to serve him on three. We had three. three. Serve him. And so we want to look at that service part today. Um, and that's where, I, that's where I'm going to start from. We want to start from... Uh, um, let's look at the book of John chapter 12 quickly. John 12, 26, we're going to look into serving God. So, based on what we have just said now, how is my service unto God going to be measured? Uh, I want a very brave student now. A very brave student. Based on what we have said, uh, not bishop. I said brave student. I didn't say brave bishop. Based on the parameter we set, how is my service? Because I need to serve my father 
I need to love my father, I need to honor my father, and I need to serve my father. How is my love going to be measured? How is my honor going to be measured? By how I... How is my service going to be measured? By how I serve others. You serve God by serving the men and women around you. You serve God by serving those he has surrounded you with. You don't see God physically. Okay? Job said, when we do good, what have we accomplished towards God? And when we do evil, what have we accomplished towards God? He said, when we do good, we do it to our fellow men. And when we do evil, we do it to our fellow men. We've not done anything, but God will take account and credit it as if you have done it to him. So when I done, if, if I've done good to my fellow men, God credits my account as if I've done it to him. When I do evil to my fellow men, God credits my account with deficit that I've done it to him. Amen? So John, the book of John chapter 12, quickly. Um, let's begin our discussion. I, I hope you take note of that um, caveat. We cannot pretend as if we do not know. We cannot treat human beings that God has created, that God has died for, as if they are nothing. And yet, come to church and dance and sing praises. No. God wants us to know we are the carrier of his blessing. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. Amen? And so, in living up to our identity, it means we are going to have to live it as we live with one another. Amen? Amen? John chapter 12. Let's read verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Let me read it in message version. <clears throat> message version. If any man, if any, any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you will be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Hallelujah. There is no other model to follow other than the Lord Jesus himself. When it comes to either loving God, honoring God, or serving God. He is the master model. Following another model will lead us astray. So he said, if anyone is desiring to serve me, then follow my example. Follow after my footsteps. Don't do it your own way. I have already laid out a precept for you. Follow me. If you want to serve me, follow me. Just follow my example. Just look at me and do what I do. 
Do we get that so far? Hallelujah. So the model is Jesus Christ himself. And we're going to look at that beginning from, I know we're very familiar with that. We just turn a page to John chapter 13. Let's look at that model. Let's look at how we're supposed to live up to our true identity by serving our Father, by serving God, and by serving one another. So we want to look at that very, very popular story in the book of uh, John chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 1. John 13, beginning reading from verse 1, the model. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas is carried. Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and went to God. And he was still there. I don't understand that English. Why he will use the word, went to God, when Jesus was still present there. Hallelujah. That's another, another message for another day. He rises from supper. Now, here is the story. Here is the model. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a tower and gathered himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was guarded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I, washed, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I like that guy. Jesus said to him, he that is washed neither not save to wash his feet, but is clean. Every with, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Hallelujah. Verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and, washed and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, so I am. If I then, your Lord 
and master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye, if ye do them. Hallelujah. Short story long, long story short. Jesus was simply given a model. And he was simply giving them the model with which they should serve. How should we serve God? How should we serve our Father? And Jesus is saying, here is an example for you. I am doing this as an example for you. I am your Lord and I am your master and you are right to call me so. The Bible said, he arose from supper. He removed his outer garment and he guarded himself with a towel. And guess what he did? Before he can wash the feet of the disciples, he must have to decrease. He must have to go down. Okay? And that's why we go and read the book of Philippians. In serving the Lord, in serving our God and our Master, he gave the model. Why was he doing that? Because there is one thing that will not allow you to serve God. It is called pride. It is your very self. You are the only obstacle between serving God and not serving God. When you are full of yourself. So Jesus wanted to demonstrate that to them. That the only way you can serve me is when you do Philippians chapter 1. Let's go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at that model. How do I serve my God? How do I serve my Father? Just follow me. Follow my example. Follow the example I have given you. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Because in living up to our expectations, we recognize that we have to serve him. We have to serve our father. And so when we go back to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and uh, let me see if we should, well, we cannot skip that. Uh, let's jump to chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 2, I think. Uh, we can start from chapter 2. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Let's just leave chapter 1 alone for now. Um, time is running fast. And let's start from verse 3. Verse number 3. We're following the model. Philippians chapter 2, beginning from verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. I love him. Because I want to honor him. It is a choice. I made that choice. I am not serving God out of fear. I am not serving him because I don't want to be punished if I don't do what I was asked to do. Because, you know, some of our children, they do stuff just simply because they have to avoid punishment. No. I am not serving God so as to avoid punishment. I am serving him because I love him. Because I recognize how much he loves me. And I want to honor him. So first thing is, I made a choice. And because I made a choice, it's going to cost me. What is the first thing it's going to cost me? My reputation. It's going to cost me my reputation. In order for me to serve, God, I have to first know that I have thrown away my reputation. I am no longer interested in reputation. I have to trash that. Why? Because the only reason human beings cannot serve God is because of reputation. The only reason I cannot serve you is because of my reputation. The only reason I cannot come down is because of where I am. It's so high. So reputation. In that book of Philippians that we read, the Bible said he made himself of no reputation. Reputation was not part of the agenda. Amen? The second thing, it was a personal choice. And the third thing is I have to. I have to constantly remind myself it does not matter what I do. It does not matter the height I get to. I am still a man. I am Jesus. I am still a man. I am not Jesus. Which means I am still vulnerable. He made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of man. The moment I fail to recognize that I'm still a man, that thing called the pride of life, we crept back in. And all of a sudden, and you see that all over the church of God today, and I wonder if that was the reason why we could not serve our generation. There is so much pride in the church of Christ. So much pride. So much pride. And Jesus took, made himself of no reputation. And the Bible says he was made in the likeness of man. What do you have that you are not given, says the Bible? And if you are given, why do you boast? What do you have that you have not been given? And if you have been given, why do you boast? It was just a gift. Your intellect, your wealth, your strength, whatever it is that you think you have, it is a gift. 
you were only given. Why then do you boast? And that is the reason why we have to remind ourselves we are still mere men. We are mortal men as we serve our Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am deliberately slow because I want this to sink in. This is, this is just something we need to understand and we need to agree with as opposed to just rushing through and giving a sermon. The, th- the fourth thing is humility that we have shown. Humility. The Bible says he humbled himself. The only thing that will rob us of serving God or serving our fellow human being is pride. It's our reputations. Okay? Pride. Pride of do you know who I am? Who does she think she is? Our reputation. Humility. It's a deliberate choice. I choose to be humble. How much pain or how much agony do you think it will be for you to wash the feet of your Judas? How easy will it be for you to wash the feet of your Judas? That same man that doesn't want you to be promoted in office. How easy will it be for you to wash his feet? How convenient is it for you to pray for him? Jesus knew from that scripture Judas was going to betray him. Jesus knew Judas has been stealing from the purse. Did you recognize he washed the feet of Judas? If I want to serve my father, I am not going to serve him because of what you do or what you did not do. Recognize we say we serve our father by serving our fellow human being. If I cannot serve my Judas, if I cannot wash the feet of my Judas, I cannot serve him. Until I have made a choice that I can wash the feet of my Judas, I cannot serve him. He said, follow me. It is the example. I'm only explaining. Don't quote me on any of this. You have to quote the scripture. This is not what I want you to do or what I'm saying you should do. It is what Jesus said you should do. He said, follow my example. If you want to serve me, follow me. That's what he says. You agree with that? So if you're going to serve God, if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to learn to wash the feet of your Judas. That very brother that betrayed you, that very sister that betrayed you, if you are not going to wash his or her feet, I am sorry, Jesus is saying, you don't belong into my service. You cannot serve me. It is just impossible. Hallelujah. Because my service is going to be measured by the way I serve you. I cannot hide under religion. And the last one is obedient. Obedience. He was obedient even unto the death of the cross. I cannot serve him 
if I cannot obey him. Hallelujah. Anyone getting anything so far? So in honoring my father, in, in loving my father, in serving my father, the model is given to me by Jesus himself. And it simply says, follow my model. Follow this style. If you deviate from this, you are, you are on your own. You're not serving me. You cannot serve me. Follow this. And so we have to go back to the world. We have to begin from our house and go back to our Jerusalem, to our Judea. And understand the reason why nobody is taking Christianity seriously. It is because of Christians. So-called Christians. Do they have excuse? Would that exonerate them from going to hell? No. If they don't change. No, no, it will not. But we have a part in the business of redemption. God has already grafted us in in order for us to be part of his redemption work. And so if I'm going to serve my father, it has to be by choice. I have to forget about reputation. I have to make that personal choice. I have to remember I am still a man. I have to have humility by choice. And obedience by choice. Amen? Amen? The second point is serving in love. I'm not going to belabor that. Just go and take the full dose of Romans chapter 12 when you get home. Read Romans chapter 12. Serving in love. Serving in love. And serving in honor is the third point. Serving by choice, serving in love, and serving in honor is the third point. We've read some of the scriptures, and I'm just going through them. Um, you can look at, okay, we're serving in love, Romans chapter 12, serving in honor, Romans chapter 12 as well, and Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. And uh, let me read that. Um, let me just read Romans. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, Just that, uh, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Serving in honor, giving preference to one another. You see, it's repeated over the scripture. So there's nothing as serving God and being mean to my fellow human being. I'm saying I'm serving God and being mean to my brothers, being mean to my sisters. It just doesn't register in heaven. It does not. That's not my word. It's the word of Jesus. The last point is serving with a shepherd heart. There are four points. Serving by choice. And we had those various points underneath that. Serving in love. Serving in honor, serving with a shepherd heart. Serving with a shepherd heart. If you don't have a shepherd heart, or the mental ascent of the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd, you will kill the sheep. You will destroy the sheep. At the end of the day, the master will have nothing left. 
you need to pray for God to give you the understanding of a shepherd heart. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23. It's a good scripture to read. And 1 Peter chapter 5, from verse 1 through 4. It's a very good scripture to read. Ezekiel 34, 23. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. And John 10, beginning from verse 13 through from, from verse 11 through verse 13. You need to have a shepherd heart. You need to understand the shepherd and the sheep relationship. To serve our humanity, to serve our generation, we must have a shepherd heart. Otherwise, we cannot wash the feet of our Judas. The same people you are sent to serve, they are the same people that want to betray you. The same people you are sent to serve, they are the same people that will backbite behind you. Now, if you don't have a shepherd heart, how do you deal with that? And you see, the Bible says something that I think Jesus repeated. He said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The moment you don't have a shepherd heart, you cannot serve Jesus. Because in his model, he portrays that. Let's read John. I think we have to read John as we close. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 from verse 11 through 13. I may just close with that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself. Sacrifices himself. If necessary, a hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it, <laughs> leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He is only in for the money. The sheep don't matter. To him. That's Jesus himself saying. If I don't have the heart of a shepherd, I cannot lay down my life for any jack, if necessary. Quote and unquote, jack. That's what he's saying. He said, a good shepherd is willing and ready to lay down his life even for the sheep, if it is necessary. If it is necessary. If it is necessary. So, how many here today will say, well, I can do that? Well, if you can, congratulations. Because you have won yourself an eternal kingdom. It is the grace of God in you that is helping you do that. Cannot do it. No human being can do that. It is only by the grace of God. So, in conclusion, I need to live up to my true identity by loving my father, by honoring him, and by serving him. And if I'm going to serve him, I need to serve him by serving the people around me. And the way to do that is what Jesus has modeled for us. I need to be willing 
to even wash the feet of my Judas. I need to be able to do that. Those that are opposing me, those for some reason don't just want to see my faith, don't like me, I should be willing to wash their feet, to pray for them, to love them, in spite. Why? Because he gave us the model. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why do you think you have to do something different? The time to love is when we are being persecuted. The time to reach out in love is actually when we are being persecuted. We're supposed to do it all the time. That is really, really important. Because if you read Matthew chapter 5, the doctrine of Jesus, he said you have been told, love your friend and hate your enemy. He said, but now I I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to them that hates you or that persecutes you so that you can be the children of your father in heaven. He makes his sons to shine upon the good and the bad and the ugly. And if you read that scripture, you are walking towards perfection when you are able to do that. Perfection is judged by you loving your enemy. Your ability to love your enemy. So stop praying for God to kill your enemies. God will not kill your enemies. God don't have interest in killing your enemies. He wants to save them. And he wants you to love them and pray to him to change their heart. And we rise on our feet. What will you do? You prepare to live up to your true identity or you want to continue the way you've always been. The choice is yours. You have a choice in your hands. But I pray you will choose that which the Lord has given unto us, that you may live. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.